This is Lucy Middleton, the voice of Amanda in Once Upon a Wasteland. Before we start the episode, I'd like to take a moment to let you know about our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash once upon a wasteland. It's a great way to support the show and get some perks too, including behind the scenes content, access to a private discord server, and some cool merch. Now, let's see what kind of trouble I get into in this episode. Thanks for listening. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. This is their story. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 6. Whence and Why. Hey, you doing okay in here? That's an impressive stack of books. I think I'm going to need reading glasses by the time we get home. You'd be cute with glasses. (laughs) Thanks. If I find something, it will be worth it. Nothing yet, huh? No. But if there's anything here, I'm going to find it. Fortunately, their archivists built an excellent indexing framework. I'd be nowhere without that. What have you been up to? Mostly hanging out with Sylvia's daughter. She wanted to talk to me about what things were like back in Appalachia. About the war, what happened after. She's like... like a cub reporter. Very enthusiastic. The whole family's a hoot. Sylvia's oldest is like Beth Jr. She said those two were close. Beth's always loved kids. (sighs) Yeah. She would have been a great mother. We were just starting to talk about it all before this happened. Having a family. Would have been? Odessa, babe. You can't think like that. I don't know what to think. Or how to think. We've been here for weeks and... I don't feel like I've made any progress at all. I haven't even touched the deep archive yet. And on top of that, we don't know what's going on back home. The Syndicate could have decided to make their move immediately when Elena reported back to them. Yeah, she seemed like she had an itchy trigger finger. We built several contingency plans, but none of them involved both Beth and I disappearing. Look, Romani and I aren't exactly pals. But I got a lot of respect for that lady. She'll be able to handle whatever the syndicate throws at her. We do still have the mole. And it's possible they'll lean on him more if they have to pivot without the wedding to plan around. (laughs) See? No way is the Brotherhood going to get caught with their pants down. Even without the legendary Odessa Valdez around. Oh, stop it. Just trying to gas you up a little. Thanks. I need it right now. Hey, Syl. Hello, you two. How goes your research? Slowly. 
Anything we can do to help? I think it might be time to dive into the Deep Archive. There might be some context in there that will unlock the things that I've been reading in the song. There might. Is there a problem? (sighs) There is. When I described the machines that hold the Deep Archive's data as temperamental, well, that was a bit of an understatement. The fact is, the Deep Archive has been inaccessible to us for generations. We have all the media, but the machines, well, I'm sure you're aware of the toll time takes on technology. We simply ran out of ways to repair it. Are you saying it's lost? Not lost. It lives in us. We don't have time for oral histories. We'll do it as a Q&A. Mom and I know all there is to know about what's in there. And my granddaughter Siobhan has been working on transferring that data more formally into the same infrastructure as the song. She should be there as well. She'll bring a unique perspective. Unless... Unless what? How familiar are you with tape holography technology? Very. We use it all the time, especially in fieldwork. I knew exactly what you meant when you called it temperamental. Or at least I thought I did. Do you think you could repair the archive? Odessa here has never met a machine she couldn't fix. I don't think she's come across a machine quite like this. What do you mean? The holotape readers had been patched and repaired over the course of centuries. It's not a simple matter of finding a fault and fixing it. The repairs became increasingly complex over the years because of the rather Byzantine nature of the work it took to get them functional again. You're saying it's repairs on top of repairs? Yes, our engineers are incredibly skilled. Much like you, they'd never met a machine they couldn't fix. Which, I suppose, is both a blessing and a curse. They had to find increasingly creative ways to keep them working. Yet they aren't working. No. There was a catastrophic failure of some sort. Of what sort, we don't know. Must have run out of spitting bubblegum. Perhaps. I didn't bring any bubblegum with me. I'll see what I can do. But... But what? If you knew the machines were unreliable, why didn't you transfer the data to something that was reliable? They were working on that. The issue was throughput. There is an enormous amount of data in that archive, and they were trying to optimize the transfer speeds when the failure occurred. The good news is that they didn't stop working on it since they figured they'd be able to get the archive back online eventually, and... They may have made a breakthrough, but they never had a chance to test it. What kind of breakthrough? Well, when we switched to subspace cache modules, one of our engineers at the time, Kevin McManus, invented the Temporal Data Alignment subsystem. The long and the short of it is that the data transfers were fast. It took us a matter of weeks to back everything up to subspace cache modules. And we mothballed and preserved the old technology so it was available if we ever needed it. But the holotape readers weren't functional, so that data was never transferred. (sighs) No. Pity, too. Our lead archive engineer estimates we could transfer it in a matter of hours. I trust him. He's every bit the engineer his father was. (laughs) He's cute.
cute too. Strong hands. How strong? Amanda. My daughter is being cheeky. I'm talking about her husband. I'm not going to comment on his cuteness. Good. But Declan is a brilliant engineer. Kevin taught him well. Well, Odessa here is one of those herself, so I think we might be on to something. Perfect. Sylvia, can you have Declan join Odessa in the Deep Archive? I might be able to, uh, lend a hand to... You can join us, if you promise to behave. Fine, I promise. I'll walk you down there. We can discuss particulars with the staff engineers until Declan arrives. Oh, you won't have to wait long. He'll sprint over here the second I tell him what's going on. Okay, Junction B7. Anything? Nothing. <laughs> you want me to take over? No, I think we have a good rhythm going. How many more do we have to check? Ah, uh, well, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to work up. Maybe we'll get lucky and it's something close to the bottom of the stack. I hear Beth introduced you to Sylvia. Who? Oh, right, sorry. Uh, well, not, uh, not introduced, exactly. Yeah, we've known each other since we were kids. <laughs> I hung out here with my dad a lot. What happened? Well, if the Beth you knew was anything like the Isabel we know, she's pretty perceptive. You had a crush on Sylvia, and she picked up on it. Oh, it was more than a crush. Yeah, I think that's what she picked up on. And lots of people had crushes on her. That's not surprising. She seems pretty great. She is. And I was afraid to tell her. I mean, she wasn't just out of my league. We weren't even playing the same sport. <laughs> Beth said that to Amanda about me. Ah, yeah, she's the one I learned it from. Yeah. I guess that was one of her memories of you trying to force their way through. Well, I was at one of the functions, and she set things up so we were right next to each other when Syl's favorite song started playing. That sounds like her. Yeah, finally got over myself and asked her to dance. She didn't just jumpstart our relationship. She saved it, too. How so? We, we had a fight. She told me that I wasn't in love with her... I was in love with the idea of her. Yeah, that hurt. Isabel explained that it hurt so badly because there was some truth to it. Now, I did love her, but I was also putting her on a pedestal in a way that was unfair to her, to me, and to us. Once we cooled down, she put us in a room and we talked it out. The rest is history. Oh, you all right? Greetings. What was that? Well, it's coming from the presentation system. I, I, I've never seen it activated before. I assumed it was something this they didn't have time to finish Franklin. before the war broke out. I'm Dr. Franklin Haywood, director of Vault Tech's metaphysics division. For security reasons, the nature of your work here was kept confidential, even from Jack Corbin, until certain predetermined conditions were met. Jack, if you're listening... I'm sorry. The reasons for that secrecy will be clear to you soon. First, some background. Five years ago, during the last phases of the excavation of Vault 87 in Northwest Virginia, a startling discovery was made. A piece of armor, and ornate.
inspecting the location while preparing to become Vault 87's overseer. When he touched the bracer, it immediately attached itself to his left forearm. He was quickly reassigned to my division, and Dr. Wayne Merrick was transferred to Vault 87. Is there a pause button on that thing? The bracer was inert, for lack of a better word, but despite our best efforts, we could not remove it from Jack's arm. I contacted Richard Dunwich, with whom Vault-Tec had worked on several mining and excavation projects, via back channels due to his rumored interest in the arcade. Richard was surprisingly frank. He and his family had been seeking a powerful entity known as Ugqualtan for generations. His research indicated that this entity had been captured and imprisoned by a race known as the Tuatai, or Plebeus Deorum, depending on the source. And Jack's bracer matched the description of one of the artifacts that was used to imprison it. Well, we located others as well, and all research related to them is in this archive. Let me be clear. Richard's aim is to free Ugqualtan, but we cannot allow that to happen. However, we also cannot ignore the potential benefits that may be derived from harnessing its power through the artifacts left by the Tuatai. How we do that is the next phase of this project. You may have noticed that the team we assembled is somewhat eclectic. This was by design. By bringing in experts in disciplines from pure science to metaphysics to mythology and even storytelling and music, we feel that we will be in the best possible position to leverage this new power that will benefit mankind in ways hitherto unimagined. But it is absolutely vital that we do so while keeping Richard Dunwich's aim in check. Ugqualtan must remain imprisoned at any cost. If you take nothing else from this briefing, you must never forget that. As part of the protocols that allowed this briefing to play, all the information in the archive is now accessible via the terminals in the archive room, the same ones you've been using to record your own findings on holotapes and access the less sensitive data you've already been using. This information is still proprietary and confidential, and must not be discussed with anyone not directly affiliated with this project including other Vault-Tec, Dunwich borers, or West-Tec personnel. Thank you. Um, can, can we hear that again? I can't get it to replay. <sighs> Considering the information we did have access to, uh, the Veil, the, the Fomorians, some book Dunwich's sister Constance had, uh, what the hell could they be keeping secret? Whatever it is, it could be the key to getting us home. Maybe even getting Beth's memories back. Uh, let me check the terminals. Ah, nothing. The primary and secondary archive access subsystems are still down. That briefing must have been part of a completely separate one. Ah, but we can't get to it. We can't get to any of it. It must have been firewalled off. But the fault must be before that firewall. Somewhere. Wow, it's lit up like a Christmas tree in there. That, 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 that's a good sign. Those drives were powered down, so it's likely that the data is intact. I didn't detect a power surge or any other anomalies. This was all by design. Well, kind of. Now, I don't know what uh, predetermined conditions he was talking about, but I doubt they involved two people poking around. No. I think it was a failsafe that the engineers built in without telling anyone, just in case they needed to do what we did. Hmm. What uh, makes you think that? 
I've done it myself. Hmm, that's smart. And when I do, I try to disguise it as a redundant subsystem or maintenance panel that nobody would bother checking. Is uh, that what they did here? What's an auxiliary echo calibration module? Ah. Uh, what? Ah, uh, I've seen that panel a hundred times and I never thought twice about it. Ah, uh, well, this is embarrassing. Out with it. We don't have an echo calibration module, so why would we have an auxiliary one? <laughs> why, indeed. Look, you weren't the only one who didn't notice it. And besides, based on what Dr. Haywood said, no one should have suspected that there was a secret subsection of the archive. Yeah, I, still... You can beat yourself up later. We have work to do. Hmm. You know, I wonder... Go on. Well, the problem we have is that the archive has been repaired, patched, and, and rerouted so many times that it became impossible to keep up with it. It eventually just uh, collapsed under the weight of all that work. It's fascinating. I wish I had time to study it. It's almost like an archaeological dig in here. There are clear stages of technological advancement. What I was thinking was... What if we didn't have to keep up with it anymore? What are you... Wait, I think I see where you're going with this. We have what's basically a new-in-the-box archive subsystem just sitting here. It's not just sitting here. That data represents our best chance to get back home. I know. We have to ensure the integrity of the data. Based on the schematics you provided, I'm confident that I could implement a bypass through the new subsystem that would allow access to all the data. Assuming that's what you're proposing. It is. Uh, but... But what I don't know is whether the subsystem can handle it. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's my concern as well. If it blows, we lose our best chance to get all this data. Maybe our only chance. <sighs> Do we have any other options at this point? Realistic ones? <sighs> no. Now, I might be able to mitigate the risk, at least uh, temporarily, if I install an inline monitor. We'd at least have a warning if things were about to go sideways. If we're lucky, we'd even have enough time to shut it down, assuming we're even able to interpret the real-time data quickly and accurately enough. Hmm. You, uh, you think you can build a bypass? Yes. But I'll need your help. I have direct experience with Vault-Tec systems, but... It's not only Vault-Tec technology in there. Of course. Now, we should have what we need to build the bypass here, but I need to grab a few things for the monitor. Uh, give me 15 minutes? That will give me time to brief Adrian. It's going to be all hands on deck to go through all this data once we finally have access to it. I think we have a long night ahead of us. Good morning. Did any of you get any sleep? No. Mom. I know, I know, I did promise. But I decided to invoke executive discretion as dowager head of the Corbin family to work through the night. I don't think that's in the rule book. Well, then I invoked executive discretion to add it. <laughs> okay. So, what'd you find? 
Once we got a handle on how everything was organized, it was divide and conquer. Odessa and I concentrated on the scientific and technical aspects, and how those might relate to the artifacts. Your mom and I nailed down the timeline. That was more of an ordeal than it should have been. Indeed. The people charged with recording all of this as it happened were clearly not Pandolfi's. How about you, Sue? I concentrated on what this all means today. We have the benefit of five centuries of history. There has to be something in there that can help us more than it helped them. We took a break every few hours to discuss and coordinate our findings. Sersha and Siobhan have been organizing the notes from those sessions. Well done. Very well done, in fact. The Pandolfi legacy is in excellent hands. Since they don't have any executive discretion to invoke, I insisted that they go upstairs to get some rest. I'm sure they're already plotting their return. <laughs> no doubt. Alright, who wants to start? I will. Odessa and I learned a great deal about the mechanics of the Vale, and perhaps more importantly, how it relates to our Qualtos imprisonment. It appears that the Vale and the Entity's prison use the same technology. So, it isn't in a physical cell. It's been shunted into a tiny pocket dimension, and the only keys are attached to our forearms. That explains the Black Hall's going to all those lengths to try to steal my bracer from the Corbins over those first few decades. And why Elias took such an interest in my arrival. If he... <clears throat> separated me from my bracer, he could finally open that door. I'm just glad no assassins came calling. Things were different then. Our family is far too well protected for anything like that to work. Partly because of the stunts the Black Halls kept trying to pull, ironically enough. Okay, so the Bracers can release Uqualtoth. That doesn't sound like good news. There's more. I think we may have discovered why the Veil stopped working. We took a trip to the Veil so we could compare it to the diagrams that vault created. And we noticed something. There's a module missing. See here? The Transliminal Resonance Module. It's not there. What happened to it? We can't be sure, but we have a theory. It's possible that the Black Halls used the commotion to steal it, in the hopes they could use it to open a prison sitting under Black Hall Manor. Fortunately for us, it's useless without at least one of the braces. So, Elias has been sitting on it the whole time? Probably. Literally. You're not going to like this next part. I didn't like the first part. <laughs> we also learned something new about the Veil. And because of that something new, our Quartoth getting out would be even worse than we imagined. The legends tell us that it took hundreds of the strongest members of the Fifth and an uneasy alliance with the Fomorians to subdue Ugqualtot. What we found in the Archive expands upon that. It was wreaking all kinds of havoc back on our side of the Vale, and they chased it here, wanted to get home field advantage. They weakened it to the point that they thought they could toss it in the clink and swallow the key, but it's a slippery little bitch and snuck back through the Vale. In its weakened state, though, it must have been a lot easier to subdue. You'd think. But you'd be wrong. The contemporary account simply says, Ugqualtot is as it was. And so they had to do it all over again. And they almost couldn't. If it took hundreds of gods to capture it, what chance do we stand if Elias manages to free it? None. I wish I had a more optimistic answer, but the fifth race was exceptionally powerful and... 
Even they needed the help of the Fomorians. Its power seems to be nearly limitless. Any other good news? Maybe a plague of locusts? There is one more thing. I should have known. You pointed out that the nature of the time dilation we've been hypothesizing is inconsistent. Yeah, it seems to be getting worse. I'd say more acute, but yes. I may know why. It's my fault. It's nobody's fault. It's just the combination of factors that happen to be in play. There is a lot of information on all the artifacts in there. Even ones that we've never found. But we concentrated on the braces first. The original time dilation appears to have been caused by the two braces being on opposite sides of the veil. That caused the imbalance. Shouldn't it have stopped when you brought the second bracer through the veil? We thought the same thing. But it seems to have exacerbated the imbalance. It's approximately 307 times as large as it was during the period of her arrival. Best we can figure. There's something to do with me not being of this place in the way you are, or the way the Fifth were. It probably started when Jack Corbin first came through the veil. <sighs> so, what do we do? We have to get this bracer off me at the very least. And our suspicion, based on accounts of residual bonding, is I'll need to go back through the veil to completely sever that bond. How are you sure about all this? This is all based on our comprehension and analysis of information that is, frankly, so far out of my areas of expertise that I can't really say. What if we can't? If we're on this side of the veil, it shouldn't matter if time passes at a different rate, should it? I wish I knew. My primary concern is potential instability. The kind of instability that could lead to Ugqualtoth's escape? Perhaps. Or perhaps that could threaten the existence of Gralsberg itself. Or it may have no impact at all. We just don't know. I'm not about to take that kind of chance. Oh, I was hoping you'd say that. So what do we do? I'm open to suggestions here. Well, the first thing we need to do is get that resonance module out of Blackhall Manor. That's the hard part. Then we'll need to reinstall it at the Vale and... And send Iz home. Aren't we forgetting something? What? None of this matters if you're still wearing the bracer. <sighs> yes. We didn't forget about it. We're going to need a bit of luck with that one. Or perhaps some divine providence. Uh... There are oblique mentions of members of the Fifth relinquishing control of the Bracers, plural, to pass them to someone else. If it were that easy, we would have just done that. Indeed. We tried for months after I arrived. Alright, we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Regardless, we can't allow the means to release Oqualtoth to stay in Blackhall Manor. At the very least, we can keep it safe here at Corbinic until we figure out what to do next. We can keep working after we do that. There's still a lot left to unpack in that archive, and the answers may still be in there. Somewhere. Let's go upstairs and start talking this through. Okay, um, I'll have Declan start transferring the data onto SCMs for safekeeping. Yes, that's a very good idea. And it gives me another one. We'll meet the rest of you upstairs in a few minutes, alright? Alright, see you in a few. Twenty-eight years, and this place still gives me the creeps. Same here. 
and it's been rather longer than 28 years for me. When was the last time you talked to Elias? It's been nearly a decade. I genuinely believed that he was coming around. Eric was such a good influence on him. Until he stopped listening. It is not in Elias's nature to listen to anyone, especially if they may be a voice of reason. I'd hoped that wasn't the case, but, well. What are we walking into here? Roughly ten years ago, there was an incident. An incident? Yes. Elias made a discovery of some sort, and it set off a confluence of events that we still don't have an understanding of. What kind of discovery? If only we knew. Eric would not discuss it in detail, not even with Sylvia. What we do know is what happened later. Eric took over the day-to-day for the family. They've been quiet. Eric's had a pretty normal life. Got married, had a couple of kids, moved into a decidedly non-spooky house and everything. It seems that Eric is not nearly as change-averse as his father. Your hope for the future was not unfounded. But nobody's seen or heard from Elias that entire time. All we have are rumors. The same thing happened on the other side of the veil. The Trinity. The what? Sorry. The Trinity was a group of three companies that seemed to have been involved in all of this on some level. Vault-Tec, West-Tec, and the Dunwich Borers. The entrance to the veil was in the Dunwich building. I see. Please, do go on. Elena, our contact in Cincinnati, told us there were rumors of what was going on there for years. Ghost stories, monsters, disappearances. All because of secrets. All because the Black Halls didn't want anybody getting in the way of them destroying the world. Turns out they didn't even need a forgotten god to do it. We did it ourselves, without their help. Odessa, your world isn't destroyed. Sometimes I wonder. If it was, you wouldn't be trying so hard to get back there. You're right. It's not perfect, but it's worth fighting for. And I'm proud to be one of the people who's rebuilding it. I get it. It's not that dissimilar to Jack Corbin and the rest of that first wave of settlers. They had the war with the Vale Wraiths, factional fighting, and that was on top of finding themselves in a place that challenged everything they thought they knew about... Well, everything. I've never quite been able to explain it, but I've had a feeling of homesickness since I got here. It doesn't make sense. I love my life. I love my family. I love everything about this place. And I can't remember anything about where I came from. Yet I still feel a... a... yearning to get back there. We always knew our time together might have an expiration date. That's why I made sure we made every second count. We did, didn't we? You're damn right we did. Let's not start saying our goodbyes just yet, okay? We need to focus on the matter at hand. What are we up against? That's just it. We don't know. Eric should be able to shed some light on things. If he ever gets here. He'll be here. Oh, well, speak of the devil. Sorry I'm late. You're here. That's all that matters. Who are you? I'm Odessa Valdez. This is Amanda Otis. We're 
Friends of Isabel. Friends from out of town, I take it? Yeah. We're not from around here. Interesting. Perhaps my father was right after all. Well, whatever this is about, I hope it's important. I know this is a difficult subject, but what happened to your father? It's okay, Eric. Ever since Isabel came through the veil, he's been obsessed. He was convinced that her arrival was part of some ancient, undiscovered prophecy that would finally allow him to release Agualtov. He searched the manor for clues left by other black holes. People always said they were lost to madness, but privately, he always felt that they were lost to enlightenment. I begged him to stop. I didn't want to lose him. Say what you will about him or about my family, but he's still my father. I understand. He finally found something. A book. Well, parts of one that Black Halls have found and collected over the course of centuries. On both sides of the veil. He called it the Luridian Codex and it consumed him. I could barely get him to eat. Said he didn't need to anymore. I don't know what's in that book. He wouldn't let me anywhere near it, but whatever it is... Whatever it is, it changed him. I still come by to check on him every few weeks. It breaks my heart every time. Your turn. Why do you need to see him? We have new information that leads us to believe that the key to unlocking Isabel's memories, to making her whole again, may lie within the depths of Blackhall Manor. What kind of new information? Um... We can talk details later. You have to give me something. Your father isn't the only one who stumbled upon things hidden by presumably well-meaning ancestors. There appears to be a unique relationship between the artifacts and what lies beneath the manor. Especially the bracers. I see. You do. Oh, really? Look, I'm willing to go along with this for now. But this sounds like a fishing expedition. It is. We don't quite have a handle on everything that unique relationship entails. What we do know is that it's our best chance to help someone we love. Now that is something I can get behind. Is there anything in there that might help my father to bring him back? I don't know. I'm sorry. Thank you for being honest. You deserve it. Okay. He's probably going to be on the lower level somewhere. Wherever he is, let me do the talking when we find him. Sure thing. Thank you for doing this, Eric. I'm not doing this for you. Stay here. I'm going to see if he's on the main floor or upstairs first. You know, I like the castle better. Not really into this whole haunted house thing. I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but I think this house may actually be haunted. You might be right. Every time I've been in here, I've had this feeling. Couldn't put my finger on it at first, but I realized it was like something was pushing me. Pushing you? Where? Downward. Toward it. I thought it might be the bracer, but 
Adrian said he never felt it, and neither did his father. We should have significantly more data after this. We'll figure it out. Alright, let's head downstairs. He keeps it dark down there, and I don't want to startle him by shining a bunch of lights around. Watch your step. Understood. Are you feeling all right, my dear? I'm managing. I'm beginning to understand why you always forbade him from bringing me down here. Although I couldn't feel what you felt, I could sense the unrest inside you. And that was just sitting in the living room chatting. And the mere fact that he suggested taking you to the altar room. Well, I felt that it was highly unlikely that any good would come from that. This is gonna be the spookiest library I've been in, and I've been in a lot of libraries, shockingly. I can barely see, and it's still giving me the creeps. You shouldn't have come. Dad? Who have you brought into our home, Eric? You know Louisa. Her son Adrian? Her daughter? I'm not talking about them. The others. Bring them to me. It's okay. Your names? Odessa Valdez. Amanda Otis. Hmm, getting lazy in your old age, Louisa. They've been here for weeks and you haven't made them honorary Corbins or Pandolfis yet. Be nice. Their situation is different, Elias. I know. You still underestimate me. No one's underestimating you. What do you want? We want to go home. And what makes you think I can help? We have reason to believe that the key to getting them home is here. And what reason is that? We've been analyzing data from the Deep Archive. And that data indicates what? Just tell him. There's a control module that went missing around the time the war broke out. That's why we lost the ability to go back through the veil. So that's what that is. That's what what is. There's an antechamber, just off the altar room. There are controls there very similar to the ones near the veil. And our family records note a component being brought here and installed right around that time. And beyond that, well... It's something that we've never mentioned outside the family. So, why start now? Hmm. I don't know. Perhaps I'm getting lazy in my old age. Or perhaps 500 years of frustration has finally made our family a bit more open to cooperation. Eric certainly is. Or perhaps I've grown sentimental. I want to help provide Isabel with the happy ending that she's been seeking all these years. I doubt that. Mom! It's alright, Sylvia. I've earned that sort of response. Do you mean it? Will you help? Let's see if I can. Eric, please take them to the altar room. We should have all four artifacts with us, just in case. I'll get my staff and meet you there. Louisa... Did you bring the sash? I did. Good. 
Good. Please follow me. Can we trust him? I don't think we have a choice. He'd better not be bluffing. If this is an excuse to corner us down there... He's telling the truth. Sorry. I get it. There's been a lot of distrust built up over the years. But maybe we can make up for it. Why is he doing this? Your family has stonewalled ours since the beginning. You have so much knowledge and information here, but only a trickle for us. You have to understand, we're not approaching our lives here from the same perspective you are with yours. Everything we've done has been in the service of freeing Aquatoth. Including this? I think it can be mutually beneficial. If this does get Isabel back home, we'll know that much more about the Vale. And maybe that much more about how we can find out Kvaltov. What happens when you do? I don't know. This is it. That's the Altar of Echoes. And I thought the rest of the house was creepy. The Celestial Oratory is through that door. Oh, how'd you get here before us? Bit of a shortcut. The module is lodged inside the control mechanism. It's as though Uther himself drove it in there. Our suspicion has long been that, like the Veil, it is unlocked by the Bracer. Okay. The controls look identical to the Veil. The information in the archive said I just need to... think about what I want to do. Stop. What? Why? I'll do it. This is my responsibility. I can't let you- You don't have a choice. And you know I'm right. <sighs> Alright. Everyone get ready. Odessa and Sylvia, flank Isabel and get ready to pull her out at the first sign of anything that doesn't look right. Got it. Here goes. Everybody ready? Ready. We've got you. Here goes. something. Amanda, give me a stim pack. Here. Odessa, I... I remember. Stand back! That bracer is mine! You bastard! What did you do? Trap. I knew that you would be so eager to give Isabel her happily ever after that you'd blunder in like the fools you are. I think you know that I will not hesitate to shoot any of you dead before you can touch that bracer. So please, stand aside. Eric! What are you doing? This is our moment of triumph! No, Dad. This ends now. Adrian! The bracer! Whoa, this feels so funky. Isabel! Is she... Oh, she can't be! I'm gonna fucking kill him. You can kill him in a minute. I have an idea. Remember what the notes in the archive said about the beast and how it healed when it went on the other side of the veil? Yeah, um, it is as it was. We might have a window to bring her back. But if we do, my guess is that it's too short to carry her all the way to the veil itself, and we don't even know how to install that resonance module. 
You want to take her into an extra-dimensional prison that has a presumably very angry elder god waiting on the other side? Do you have a better idea? <gasps> no. All right. Odessa? I'll do whatever it takes. Is that thing still booby-trapped? Talk, asshole. Ah! It was designed to burn itself out after killing the first person to touch it. Better not be lying. You got nine fingers left and, well, a whole hell of a lot of other body parts that I can break. All right, here we go. Odessa, go through and come back immediately. Keep your eyes closed tight. You mustn't look at it. They're back! Shut it down! Did it... did it work? Is she... Beth? Ugh. It worked. Oh, welcome back. What happened? <laughs> All this talk about time dilation gave me an idea. If that's a problem inherent in these kinds of doorways, that could be why Ukwaltoth got restored when it went through. The factors impacting the veil weren't in play here, but there might still be some small temporal variances. Precisely. We only needed to rewind her a few minutes. I just had to hope there was a variance at least that big, but I knew we had to act fast. Let's get back to Kolbenik. I want the doctors to look over Isabel. Beth. I'm proud to have been Isabel all these years, but I'm Beth again. Finally. Your memories, they're back? Yes, that baby trap must have jarred something loose. This is wonderful news, Beth. It's lovely to finally meet you. I'd still like the doctors to look you over, and I expect that you need to rest. That'll give us time to figure out how to get you all back home and what to do with Elias. Well, here we are. Thank you all for coming to see us off. Oh, wouldn't miss it for the world. And thank you for letting me read to the children one last time. The gifts they gave me were beautiful. They're going to miss you. I'm so glad you got to say goodbye to each other. I'm going to miss them. And I'm going to miss you so much. All of you. Oh, we'll miss you too. But I'm so glad that we got to have you in our lives for as long as we did. I'm trying to concentrate on that instead. I'm glad too. You took me in. Accepted me as one of your own. You made me part of your family, and I will always treasure that. I'll never forget you. We have something that may help there. You do? A little going away present. What is it? The Song of the Sixth. All of it, including your part in it. We worked on it while you were recovering. Figured it might be nice for you to get some perspective on your place in history. Well, I was dead for a few minutes, so I suppose it's still within the rules. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta make sure we follow the rules. There's more. 
Declan was able to transfer everything from the deep archive as well. There's a copy in there for you. That's an incredible gift, but... But what? We don't have any way to read that data. You will. There's a full set of instructions on how to build an SCM reader. <laughs> don't worry. It's on a holotape, not another SCM. Well, there's your first project after we get back sorted. We can... talk about what we do about the wedding when we get back and settled in. What do you mean? I was going to wait until we got back to talk about this, but... I'm 22 years older than you. I can't expect you to go on as though I'm still the 26-year-old you fell in love with. I don't care about any of that. I'm sure you've grown, but... I love you, and that's all I care about. <clears throat> um... I think tabling those conversations until after you get back was the right call. You're right. Sirisha? Yeah? Take care of your mom for me. Siobhan and Neve, that goes for you too. Do you have to go? Yes. I have to go home. But this is home! And I'll always carry it with me in my heart. There's no way I could ever thank you enough for all you've done for me. You don't need to. We know. And I hope you know how much you've done for us. We're better for having had you in our lives, and I know the next part of your story is going to be spectacular. Just wish I could see it play out. Yours as well. I'm so proud of you, Syl. Just look at the person you've become. The legacy you've created. Same goes for you, Adrian. I never had the honor of knowing your father, but I think he'd be very proud of you. I think he would be too. And I wish you'd had the opportunity to meet each other. Yes, Tristan would have loved you every bit as much as we do. <sighs> it's time. Goodbye, Beth. Odessa, Amanda. It was a pleasure to meet you. Goodbye, Louisa. I put some extra stuff on the SCM. Just for you. I hope you like it. I can't wait to see it. Goodbye, Syl. I love you. I love you too. Adrian, Grasberg is in the best possible hands. Goodbye. Goodbye, Beth. Girls, you're the bearers of the Pandolfi legacy. I know you understand the weight of that, but your mother and grandmother will help you not be crushed by it. I'm so very proud of you. Goodbye. We'll do you proud. I promise. I know you will. Goodbye. I will not forget one moment of this. Not one instant. Nor will we. Nor will anyone. As long as Graltzberg stands, songs of you will be sung. Thank you. You've been my world for so long, and I'm so much better for it. Everyone ready? Ready when you are. Ready. Adrian, it's time. All right. Activating the veil now. Goodbye, everyone.
Think it'll work? Yeah. Yeah, I think it will. Good. If any two people deserve it, it's them. Pity we can't attend the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a feeling it's going to be one hell of a party. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 6, Whence and Why, was produced and directed by Brad Williams and written by D.K. Trueno, starring Letitia Lemon as Elizabeth Kirby, Vitriol Plays as Odessa Valdez, and Lucy Middleton as Amanda Otis. Also starring Ash Albiniak as Louisa Corbin, Marnie Warner as Sylvia Corbin McManus, and George Betancourt as Adrian Corbin. Featuring Mark Hasworth as Dr. Franklin Haywood, Juniper Berry as Elias Blackhall, Walter Mack as Eric Blackhall, Ray O'Hare as Declan McManus, and Tiffany Perdue as Sorsha Pandolfi McManus. Opening narration by Ashley Sacon, I'm Kirsty Harrison. Please join us for our next episode, Season 3, Episode 7, Born by the Winds. I'm Brad Williams, the creator of Once Upon a Wasteland. We'd like to thank you for joining us for the sixth episode of our third season, and we hope that you'll continue to join us as we follow Beth and Odessa's journey toward Happily Ever After. A big thank you to our VIP patrons, the mysterious Courier from the North and Vitriol. We'd also like to thank Don McCormick and Jeffrey Patch. Thank you all for your support. If you'd like to support the show, you can find details, including benefits like Discord access and merch, at patreon.com slash onceuponawasteland. For more information on our show, visit our website, onceuponawasteland.com, where you'll find show information, scripts for each episode, artwork, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at onceupon76pod, blue sky at onceuponawasteland.com, and on Instagram and threads at onceuponawasteland. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review, which helps other listeners find us, and we hope you'll subscribe as well. Word of mouth is vitally important, so please, tell your friends. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter, via email at brad at onceuponawasteland.com, or on Discord at Reticent Duet. Thank you.